This is Dave Larzelier. Welcome to the Balanced Band Director Podcast, a show about music, band directing, leadership, and balancing your life and career. Each episode, I have the tremendous honor to speak to educators, composers, and friends who will share their insights and experiences about life and teaching. I hope that you find these interviews inspiring and motivating, and they help bring balance to your own life and career. Please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Balanced Band Director, or send me an email at balancedbanddirector at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy the show, and I appreciate you listening. Rob, are you there? Dave, I'm here, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Um, well, hey, for all my listeners, my guest today is my good friend, Rob Ash. Rob is the director of bands at Ann Arbor Huron. And Rob, I'm so excited you had the time tonight to uh, to join me. How's everything going? Everything's good. You know, we're living the COVID lifestyle, aren't we all? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> what uh, can what you do now in Ann Arbor. Give us, give us the, the quick kind of snapshot of what your job there is. So I'm the director of bands at Ann Arbor Huron High School. Um, and I am in charge of ru- basically running the band program for the school. Um, I'm in charge of a- around 250 students that participate in the band program. We have four bands at Huron that are concert bands. Um that three of them make up the marching band. So uh, we have a uh, symphony band, concert green, concert gold, and varsity band. And it goes kind of in that order of uh, ability level. And the top three groups combine to make our marching band. And then I'm also uh, the director of, of the jazz band uh, at here in high school. So lots of things going on. Um, very active group of kids that, are very into playing music at a very high level, which is very exciting. It's been part of our tradition since we opened our doors in 1968, I believe. Okay. What, uh, and how long have you been there? So I'm starting, yeah, I'm starting year four this year and it's, it's quite the, it's quite the ride, man. It's, it's fantastic. Well, I, I want to just, you know, publicly just say congratulations on your performance at the, uh, at the MMC seems like about 10 years ago, I'm sure, but, right. uh, you know, your, your band was just smoking, man. So congrats on, on having Thank you. that. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Um, okay. So give me, so you got four bands and you have an assistant, right? Is that right? I do. I have, um, uh, I, in fact, I just got a new assistant, Mr. Evaristo Rodriguez, uh, moved up from, uh, the middle school, Scarlet Middle School okay. that feeds Huron in t- okay. and he's now our new associate director of bands um, and he's okay. phenomenal. So yeah, we have um, at Huron, it's like the associate director of bands helps with uh, some of the more developmental ensembles in the morning mm-hmm. and then teaches fifth grade elementary band in the afternoon. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and was it, was it, um, Correct if I'm wrong, was it Allison Roberts? Was that who was there before that? Yeah, yes. Allison, and Allison Roberts, who's fantastic as well, she's now the director of bands at Chelsea High School. So yeah, she just got for that her. gig. Yeah, we're super proud of her. 
she's uh you know she's got big shoes to fill but she will definitely fill them and uh you know my heart goes out to all the band directors out there that are moving to positions this year it's this is probably the craziest year to start a new job um i can't imagine i, I can't imagine either to be honest our our profession is is not an easy profession and that and going into this situation just uh, puts a lot of challenges in front of you right off the bat, especially yeah. if you're all virtual, like Ann Arbor, yeah. we canceled our band camps in person band camps. And I can't imagine interacting with students and not being, never meeting them in real life. Like that's very challenging. Yep. I can't imagine either. Uh-uh. Um, Hey, give us, so give us, what are you guys doing in Ann Arbor right now? I mean, what are you going to be doing when you start school? Well, we're still like everybody else. We're still, still trying to figure this out. Um, we've been meeting uh, pretty regularly with the band directors in Ann Arbor, especially the high school band directors. Um, we are very collaborative. It's a pretty phenomenal environment, um, you know, and very unique to 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 our area. There, you know, we have high school band directors. Let's see, we have six high school band directors. Um, wow. we, so we have three comprehensive high schools in Ann Arbor. We have Skyline here on a pioneer, both with really great programs. And then we have two secondary high schools, uh, pathways. They're called alternative high schools. And then we have community high school and at community high school. They have one of the most phenomenal jazz programs in the country. So, right. um, we're all kind of dealing with things from a different angle, but we're doing it together. Um, we're, we're kind of piloting different software, to figure out what's going to work for us. I mean, this is, this is totally new ground for everybody. And it's our intention to give our students some kind of performance-based education. And preferably if we can lean towards full ensemble, um, the full ensemble experience, even though we're the, you know, we're fully virtual and a lot of people have, said you know oh are you gonna be in ann arbor you know are you guys gonna be in school in october and yeah not that i know of we're we're kind of one of the first (laughs) we're kind of one of the first in last out we're like the marines of of virtual learning in ann arbor and that's you know it's really interesting because i have you know and kind of surveying my students and my my uh parents um you know, about 50% of them really want some kind of in-person experience, especially the senior parents, you know, as you can imagine. But then about 50% of them are like, nope, my kid kid is not going to go in. It's too dangerous. Um, And it's really understandable, too, when you look at our demographics. We have a lot of students that, you know, their parents are Chinese immigrants and Asian immigrants. And when, when pandemics come across like this and people get sick, that you know they're they they don't play around at all. So it's really interesting yeah. to just kind of to be in the middle of this environment and try to help everybody succeed and try. I mean, we're trying to give everybody you know an experience that they can remember, which is really hard in this in this environment. You know, so hard. Are you guys using? Are you gonna be using like smart music or what? Do you have a plan we're, in place? We're going back and forth with a lot of different things. Um, we've been talking a lot about smart music. We have not been a district that's used smart music for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, for upper ensembles, the literature is pretty limited when we go in and look at it. And for jazz, like for jazz band, um, there's not a lot out there. But right. uh, we're checking out this app. If anybody wants to check it out, um, they're beta testing it right now. And you can it's you it's it's not cheap. It's about the same price as smart music is, but it's called um, Upbeat Music App. And you can look this up. It's upbeatmusicapp.com. And um, Jonathan Glave at Pioneer has been like the guy who's been beta testing this. And it's basically two band kids that went out to Silicon Valley and became programmers. And they, you know, that think that I forgot where they're from, um, but <laughs> they went out and I mean, they're two young guys and they always got together to play duets together, even though they were on like opposite sides of the country, they were really close friends and they just would play duets together. Well, they couldn't play duets because of COVID. They couldn't get together. So they created this app in which they can actually play duets together. And and it and the the word got out and their high school band director, you know, started talking to people about this and it's turned into a business for them and they've just quit their Silicon Valley jobs to actually uh, create the software. And what it does is it takes your it you don't play with somebody in real time uh but what it does is it's kind of like zoom where you have all the windows right um and where someone takes a video of you and uh you played it right now you play to a click track or eventually it will be a uh you can be like any kind of reference track that you add and you play along with it and then it takes all the video and audio and links it up with every person in the session and they're they're trying to expand it to nine and then eventually 16 people so this is something we're talking about having like sectionals and it's really designed not as like a uh, a product like an audio product it's really designed as an as an educational environment but these guys are the the pace in which they're programming and adding features to this thing is crazy so we're wow. look. I mean, that's kind of the the one thing. It's not cheap, but um, it's one thing that we're looking at to kind of bridge bridge the gap to when we can actually play in person. So, um, you know, we I definitely want my kids to be safe. Uh, that's priority number one. But number priority number two is getting them to have some kind of musical experience that is meaningful and to connect with other kids. And I totally get that. Yeah, I know, like, you probably in the same boat, you know, trying yeah. to get kids to do anything via Zoom together playing wise is really cumbersome. And, you know, technically we're all not supposed to be using Zoom because it doesn't have, <laughs> you know, it doesn't it, for at least for educational classroom purposes, because it doesn't it's not secure and uh, there's privacy concerns. So, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns and, and, you know, even though Ann Arbor attempts, like they've led the way in a lot of things, there's still so many unknowns and we're still just trying to figure things out day by day. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting about, about that app, you know, in East Lansing, we just, um, we are also, you know, up the road We're we are basically ground zero for what's going to happen to, you know, university towns, just like you guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we're all kind of waiting with bated breath. Um, I can't imagine the situation is going to get any better. Let's put it that way. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
So we actually just, just last week, we just invested um, in smart music for all of our students, yeah. seven through 12. And, uh, and we're going to, we haven't really figured out what we're going to do with beginners yet, but we're, we're our starting kids, but we're excited about the, about the, uh, about smart music. And, and, you know, you mentioned that that was one of our kind of our issues. They do have like grade four and grade five music. Yeah. Um, but I think what I'm going to utilize um, more than anything else at that level is maybe solo repertoire more than actual ensemble repertoire. And so absolutely every kid will have every, every kid's going to have like a solo piece that they're working on and an ensemble piece that they're working on. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how it works. Yeah. But it's, it's funny you mentioned Zoom. I um, at the end of July, you know, and I'm going to ask you about this in a second, but we had we were supposed to have March Man Camp, you know, Sleepaway March Man Camp, yeah. the whole thing. And of course that got, that got canned. And then well, I thought maybe we'll just have camp at school. And then about two weeks before camp, you know, we decided that was going to get canned. And so I actually did a camp over zoom. It was really interesting yeah. and actually went better, went bit better than I thought it was going to go. Um, but I learned quite a bit about kind of how to, how to do that. And it kind of yeah. gave me a little glimpse into, you know, what, you know, maybe the next, semester could even look like as far as um you know i actually taught visual we did visual stuff on oh Zoom. wow we did i did yeah i mean it was it was it was pretty crazy i basically i went into the band room and i, I mapped out like a four step by four step block like a box cool and so we you know i would kind of demonstrate and they would do it you know and then i had like the drum majors and sometimes other section leaders and other kind of student leadership would watch the students and kind of provide feedback via the chat and I would kind of demonstrate and thinking then we'd all do it together. And then it was just, it was, you know, I was just literally building the plane as we were flying and just trying to see what was going to work and what, what kids would be interested in. And it was, it was almost like an experiment to kind of see what, you know, what this semester was going to look like. But yeah. like I said, it actually, it actually went better than I thought it was going to. Oh, but, that's great. Um, no, nowhere near obviously the same um, as what, as what it is when you're in person. Yeah. So give me, give me your timeline, dude, from May, from like when, you know, back when we thought, Hey, yeah, we can, we'll probably still have marching band camp <laughs> to, to today. What, what, how did that all go down for you guys in Ann Arbor? It's, and was it all the same? Did you guys, did you guys all do the same thing? Lockstep all three high schools? Yeah, we, we made a pact that we wouldn't leave anyone hanging. Um, I think yeah. it's really important. We, we have a very political, politically savvy uh, group of parents and, um, I mean, they're all university professors and doctors and things like that. And, you know, we did, we definitely, we definitely wanted, we, as always, student safety is at the utmost prize priority. Right. And, and Mike, one of my colleagues and good friends, Dave Leach, said something that was really poignant to me. He said, and I hope he's not mad that I'm sharing this, but I, this just rang, <laughs> this just rang in my ears. And like, I was, I felt like I was trying to push things to, you know, we got to have an experience. Yeah, I was still hanging on to things, even though Ann Arbor had right. gone virtual, you know, in midsummer. Um, but he said, you know, I don't think if, if we have camp and we, somebody gets sick and somebody's grandmother's di somebody's grandma dies or someone's parent died or, you know, something of the, something tragic like that. He basically said, I don't think I could look my students in the face anymore. I don't think I could sleep ever again. I'm pretty sure I couldn't teach it again. And it struck me like a baseball bat to the face. I was like, yeah. you're absolutely right. I, you, what right. am I thinking? And, yeah. um, and you know, ever since that, yeah, you know, I've been really leery. I mean, I'm watching sports teams and uh, we, we've been kind of had a, a green light for sports teams, but it, for them to practice, but 
you know, you can't really socially distance in a sports practice. And so, and we've had cases in Ann Arbor with uh, positive cases in sports teams. Um, So, you know, there's all these things going on, but let me give you, let me backtrack a bit. So we, um, we went back and forth for a long time with our original band camp uh, proposal and whether or not we should have it. And that's our away camp. We do, Ann Arbor does, has a very unique band camp. Um, I've never seen anybody else do it like this. Uh, so we go to Interlochen Arts Academy and have since like the 1940s. Um, yeah. And we do a hybrid band camp of like, we do a concert set and then we do a marching set. And so I'll take somewhere between, I'll take like about 80% of the band program up and we spend the week, we spend like eight, seven days uh, up at Interlochen. And at the end, we'll do a marching demonstration. Like we usually do pregame and then some like basic maneuvering, but we'll also put on a concert and we'll do like in Kresge Auditorium um, Amphitheater. It's pretty incredible. And we'll do some pretty heavy hitter lit and we'll put all the bands together and we have sectionals. I bring about a staff of about 40 alumni and professionals up to like to be with the kids. There's almost no parents that go there. There are no parents that go up with us. And so yeah. it's it's really unique and it's incredible. And Interlochen is beautiful and it's just absolutely amazing. And the Huron Pioneer and Skyline Band, Choir and Orchestras all go up over two weeks. So it's become part of our identity. It's usually the best week of the year. Well, we all kind of came down to the conclusion that there is no way that Interlochen could follow the CDC guidelines and for us to still be safe up there with kids sleeping right. overnight and feeding them. I mean, the biggest issues with camp are, right, it's getting them there, having them sleep, you know, housing them and feeding them. Because, like, you can right. socially distance in rehearsals fairly easily right. for the most part. Right. But, I mean, not in our not in our uh, band our full band concert concert rehearsals because like you know sometimes we'll have 240 kids up there and that's that's a little crazy but you know you can't do the other stuff at all socially it's almost impossible so it would have been you could do it but it wasn't cost effective so with you know it's the first time that this summer is the first time that no ann arbor high school has gone up there and like, I think, don't quote me on this, but it's like 70 years or something, 60 something years is crazy. So oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So the- now what, 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 inter- what interlocking have had you, had you guys made the decision to go, but they would have had, you? yeah, they were toying with the idea, but I mean, they, re- they, I don't, I don't know if they really could have yeah. fulfilled, but they were trying, you know, they were trying yeah. to set things up so we could do it. And it, it got to the point where we, you know, administration and pretty much all the directors were in agreement that there was no way they could fulfill CDC requirements for safety. And so not to mention bringing like a, like in over two weeks, you know, 1500 kids from from the hot zone of Washtenaw County back when, <laughs> you know, when we were talking about it, our numbers were, you know, they they were pretty I want to say they were high but they 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 we didn't all didn't feel safe that's for sure so right now our numbers are i think in washington county are are manageable i think but yeah so it went from that and it took a long time to get through that process and then we were and then it took us you know about two weeks so 
you know, we're getting into June here and it took us like two to three weeks to get permission to do an in-person band camp, right? That we were socially distanced and only going to do a couple hours a day and on do it on site so that we could at least prepare for a marching season because, you know, football's on, we need to be prepared, right? And so right. that was going back and forth and we finally got approval to do the hat. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, like a month later it was looking really bad and um things weren't looking better and so then we were trying to pull the plug and our administrators were like well wait a minute let's wait on this so you know it took a while we finally canceled it and then my student leaders myself and a couple of alumni have like in the course of four days have created uh, a virtual experience so that the kids can at least get together because we've had so many changes and transitions with this camp. Now kids are like, well, I already made, you know, vacation plans and this and that. And right. so that's been the difficulty behind it. So we're just going to try to get a moment for the kids to connect. We're going to do our normal like evening activities virtually. And we're going to, you know, at least get together in some kind of sectional format. And have, uh, you know, 20 minutes of sectional time just so they can, because sectionals over Zoom are a little bit clunky. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're just clunky. You can't all play together at the same time and have it really mean right. anything. So we're just right. going to try to, you know, connect. That's really the goal. And, you know, whoever can come can come. But we've had, I mean, I can't believe that we've had three different iterations of Bandcamp and reinvented <laughs> the wheel. Um and the, the cool thing is watching my student leaders really take uh, ownership of this. We have student board that's voted and elected by the their peers and, you know, and seeing what they want to do, where they want to go with it and and having them work with other. You know, I've had them work with alumni with me not in the room to prepare. We have some of these like games that we do that are part of our tradition and we do this like little recital yeah. thing and that we always do these things at camp and just to try to keep something alive. Even if we have a few kids, you know, if, if we, if I have a hundred kids, then life's good. And pioneer right. did the same thing last week. And we're only doing like three days. We are, we also are really weird because we do drum major auditions at band camp and it's <laughs> totally, no, it is the most amazing thing. So my program has the um, honor of having its former director of bands be one of the u of m drum majors and he means he meant business about drum major stuff and it is in an, it is a totally self-driven tradition and these kids it's all you know old school um whistle command type of field signaling like the like michigan state and u of m uh drum majors do and these kids like it's run by an alumni drum major over the summer. These kids practice all summer. They work on conducting with me once or twice. And then other than that, it's all alumni and student driven. And they come in and do a performance in front of the band that it looks like a collegiate drum major audition. And then the right. band votes. And wow. the last day of camp. And it's, it is serious business. Like I, I, I just me watching this, it might be the best part of camp. So, we're going to try to keep that tradition alive. We need our leader. We need our drum major. Um, 
and they only get like one shot to do it really. So it's only, it's, it's the junior, you know, you're, you're going into your junior year is when you get to audition. Right. And you're a junior drum major and then you move over to the senior drum major. That's kind of how we do it. So Mm -hmm. it's very old school, but it's really served our program really well. But you know, there's all these questions. These kids have practiced all summer. Are we going to do this? Are we not going to do it? And so we're going to, we're going to do a virtual, we're going to have the kids audition. I'm going to videotape it. And then we're going to have a virtual in-person live watch party. And then the kids vote. Cool. So I was actually just going to mention that. I know that a lot of bands are kind of doing that as almost the last, last resort effort to kind of have a social group is to do like some kind of watch party where you watch, you know, DCI videos or, yeah. or old, you know, old videos of the marching band or, or something like that. Just, and then people can kind of just comment or chat about, you know, things that they like, and, you know, I'm actually going to roll that in, I think into like the curriculum when school starts and, yeah. just, you know, maybe start one, one day a week, start with a, just a two minute clip and just, we all watch video and then, you know, have a couple of people comment on it or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. And your drum major auditions sound intense. We don't yeah. get anything, anything, anything like that at all. That's crazy. Yeah. No. And it's all like, it is a self fulfilling prophecy. It's incredible. And like every yeah. kid that gets that, you know, Usually once you're a drum major, you're usually helping the next like two or three years at camp. And, you know, it's, it's pretty fantastic to watch them to them work that way. It's pretty outrageous. So, um, yeah, you know, I, we did have a couple of drum, like in-person socially distanced with COVID pre-screen health checks, summer rehearsals with color guard and with uh, drum line, but it was like, two or three by the time we got everything set and did it and um you know my colleagues are in kind of the same boat they've had a couple things we've done a lot of zoom things with those with those cats over the summer but um it's it's really heartbreaking because that you know it it is so true when you have talent versus the team the team always wins out I have had mm-hmm. incredible percussionists in my band program and my drum line's been, it's been good, but I have a group of kids that is now a team and they might not be the, like the single most talented group of uh, musicians individually, but as a team, that drum line is smoking hot. And you could tell in three rehearsals, they were like in it. And so it's kind of tough to see that and see what it could be. Uh, and then it kind of gets snatched away from them. So we're going to try to keep Drumline alive and Color Guard alive for them uh, throughout the year. You know, so it's going to be something we come back to we don't, that we don't put away. So, yeah, it's just it's I've got I've got quite the team this year. And they, I mean, and the other reason to have that, too, is that this is the first year where the students are all mine. There's no, you know, predecessor student. So you fourth years when you see things start really moving um, your way. And so it's been something that I've been excited for since I've got here. Um, And I've been really honest with the kids too. I said, no matter how, you know, you are all amazing and you play really well and you love and, and we really get along and I can tell that you respect me, but it's just not the same for you or me until like they're all my students. And um, right. it's just the nature. It's not a good or a bad thing. 
it's just kind of the nature of the beast that we call band. It's just, it's just the reality that we have. And um, it's interesting to see the, the seniors this year kind of seeing that, like, yeah, things feel different. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's run with this. So, <laughs> and it's not a good or bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing, but it, it's not necessarily the, the, the growing pains are bad. It's just the nature of change and transition. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that about your drumline. I had, so I, my camp was Monday through Friday and like basically in the mornings I've worked with uh, brass and percussion over zoom and for like an hour. And then I dealt with brass and then percussion has their own instructor. And on Thursday afternoon, I get a call from my principal and he's like, Dave, like, he's like, um, did you, did you, did you know the whole drumline is up here practicing up at the high school? And I'm like, come on, are you serious? He's like, yeah, they're all up here. <laughs> I get in my car. I live like two seconds away from the school. I get in my car. And sure <laughs> enough, here's the here's the bass line practicing, the snare line practicing, and the tenor line practicing, and the cymbal line practicing all separately. Yeah. But like, I I guess I never really told them, hey, you guys, you can't get together like on school <laughs> property to practice. And so yeah. like, I mean, it's like I couldn't I I, I couldn't really be mad. Right. It's like you know you know good for them for trying to get together, but it just was like you guys. Come yeah, on, yeah. use some common sense here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm but, with you. I, I'm totally with you. It's I'm gonna say this too. It's hard for us because marching band for us is totally curricular. Um, it's not yeah. an extracurricular thing, and because our district has decided to go virtually so soon, it's really hard to say. Well, we got to all get together when this is a class, and it's something that we need to do to prepare for this class. Um, right. And it's just, you know, it's very, it's very two-faced and it's still, I guess it's for us, the sports is a little different because it's totally extracurricular. And we have a lot of kids that have decided not to participate in sports because they're not liking how socially distancing is going with practices and things like that. And, right, you know, there's some people yeah. that, that are not phased by it. And so we've been kind of status quo with that. But uh, yeah, we we felt in the music department that since this every this is curricular, um, it's not it it's not it's not something we can do. Yeah. What uh, did you did you have a show picked out or everything or did you, did you kind of like curtail that a little bit? So or what are you guys doing? We're old school again, man. Um, Skyline Skyline keeps going back and forth. I mean, they're a newer school and have a little bit of a newer tradition. But Pioneer and Huron, we do a new show every week or every game oh. so we're old school our kids don't me and because of that we don't memorize our shows right. we don't memorize our music and so uh and we do smaller shows now when i came along i did one set of drill and redid the counts for each show which is i thought it would be like really easy to do it's surprisingly time consuming um sure but we do that just so i can get a little bit more drill out of them um so, yeah, you know, we still do like a traditional high step pregame um, with all the with all the, you know, bells and whistles. And uh -huh. uh, um, and that's the same every every game. But uh, we don't do any competitions. Um, yeah, it's just kind of how it's been baked in. And it's these things because our tradition is so strong. Um, Ann Arbor High School bands, I think, are a hundred and six years old maybe maybe older i'm i'd have to go look but it's oh we're over 100 years they they celebrated their 
you know, they celebrated the centennial, I think, when I moved back to Michigan was 2008. So we're well over 110 years old um, for the for the wow. Ann Arbor band programs. And um, so it's kind of like, you know, we traditions are very important to us. And so we're, you know, we it's not about it's about the Friday night football game for us. And it's about doing different yeah. shows and playing really hard music. And yeah. I, we did have the the kids help me put together um, some shows. Uh, and, you know, we were going to do a tribute to HBCU collegiate bands. Um, was cool. kind of one of our big shows that we were going to do this year. I'm trying to think what else. Now you, you caught me off guard. Um, That's okay. <laughs> I mean, you have other things on your mind. Yeah, sure. no. Well, I mean, especially well, I kind of, you know, I, I've got it out there. But I kind of push it to the side, especially since football's in the spring. We're definitely going to have a marching season. We're going to do something. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Actually, it's important. Yeah. It's important to the kids. I mean, we have some major things. Yeah. It's it's funny how Ann Arbor, um, we're kind of known for being a really concert band focused place, and our kids are really built that way. Like they they really love concert band probably more than marching band. But now that this has kind of like been taken away from them, you can tell there's like there's a lot of upset kids and I mean, we have a really good drum line this year. We have a phenomenal color guard. Um, so it's, you know, and we, we march anywhere between um, 150 and 200 kids because some games we march two of the bands and the other, some games we march three it just depends. Yeah. So, you know, you can tell that especially with the upperclassmen that they're all, like it's kind of been stolen from them and they definitely want it back, which is, which is endearing. I think I'm glad yeah. that they value the experience. Cause I think that full, yeah. you know, being part of jazz band, being part of marching band, being a part of concert band, I think is all kind of important um, to the, our musical experience and our musical language. So. Yeah. Well, man, we could probably spend the entire podcast talking about this, but I want to, oh, yeah. I want to pivot a little bit. Oh no, great. And move on to a couple other topics. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, how you got started what's your background story i have a really weird background story um so <laughs> well you are a saxophone player so something must have happened that's very true <laughs> i've had quite a journey um as very unconventional um very unconventional direction towards getting to huron um so i grew up in a i grew up actually right around ann arbor in a little town called pinckney and um you know, I was the my band program. Uh, I was lucky to have some really great uh, um, middle school band directors, and they were in a program that was really getting things going. Right. So my, my best, probably my best two years of band for me was sixth grade beginning band, and then my senior year of high school. And kind of in between <laughs> was pretty. I don't want to say it was terrible. Some years were pretty terrible because the district had like we had this amazing sixth grade um amazing beginning band program and they were really gearing up to to make a lot of changes to make the high school band really big and just as i got done with sixth grade band the district like slashed it right so i had fallen in love with this um i come from uh i come from a big band family in terms of it's important to my family in my in my house we don't talk about sports like when i was growing up we talked about cars with my me and my dad and i'm an only child it was cars and band <laughs> and to give to give my dad my dad is a very accomplished rudimental drummer like very accomplished 
and he played all the way up into college. He went to Wayne State. His his college band director was Harry Bijan. So that nice. yeah, so that kind of like completes the the picture. And um, you know, he played with Lewis Smith in the is it Lewis Smith, the guy that ran um the Detroit concert band. He played in the Detroit concert band with him. You know, he's he studied with some of the bigger percussion percussionists in the Midwest. And so the man was never a music major. He's he's a uh, uh, an architectural draftsman, uh, drafting teacher, a very accomplished one, and uh, industrial teacher. And but band was always a thing for him. And so you know, this was one thing. I was kind of this awkward, weird kid, and I took, I I went to Solon Ensemble and I got a first division rating, right? And my dad's like, okay, you you got a first division rating. Now we got to get you lessons. And so it went that way. Well, I was like the only kid in my band program taking lessons, and I really got into it. And it was like the one thing, and it was always upsetting. It was like the one thing that I really loved and everyone else kind of took for granted. And so um, I was really fortunate my freshman year of high school um, that I got went to Soul Ensemble and I got a first division rating and I went to state. And I met John Nickel, who's the professor saxophone up at CMU. And that changed my life. That was like, mm-hmm. I didn't know it. He was like, you should come to my saxophone camp. And I was like, Oh, this important guy thinks I should come to a saxophone camp. Dad, should I go? My dad's like, you're going. So, uh, uh, you know, I've always had a lot of support from my parents. My dad being an industrial arts teacher and my mom is an art teacher. So, and she was in choir and played piano and all that kind of stuff. So they were very much like, you like to do this, you're going to go. And, you know, I, after, through John Nickel, I was really lucky. I also got to study with a gentleman by the name of Russ Mallory. He's like one of the the big folks that come out of Michigan. Um, he's like the call saxophonist for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. And my parents used to drive me like, I I live in Pinckney, which is, you know, like Brighton is 23 and 96. And they used to drive me all the way out to uh, Utica, basically for lessons, like every wow. other week to study with this guy. And so, um, you know, I started getting really started making connections um, with Joe Luloff and John Nickel. And you know, it wasn't until the end of my senior year, I was like, you know, I should probably do this. You know, maybe I should be a band director. My band experience has been pretty, pretty abysmal. Um, yeah, I want to be a good band director. I want I want people to not have the same experience that I did. Because um, it took me a while to realize that like, now, my senior year, I had a new band director, and he was phenomenal. And he still teaches in the district. And that's Jeff Campbell. And you know, we were really hungry and did, we were really successful. And, um, when he came along, but it was still a small band program. And I'm, I saw what my friends and other schools were doing in these ginormous band programs that were really healthy. And I was always very envious. So I, you know, I decided I'm going to go to CMU study with John Nickel, get, get there for a couple of years. And I don't want to be a band director. I'm going to go be a composer, but my parents, God bless them as teachers are like, you're going to be an artist. You're going to get an ed degree so that you can, you know, feed yourself. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do both. So I got a double degree. I spent five and a half years at CMU to get two degrees in composition and theory. Um, and then I was really lucky. I got to student teach at Pioneer High School with David Leach when I was, uh, when I graduated and he accepted me and I couldn't believe it. And so I got to see what one of the best band programs in the state, if not the country, how it, how it functions and how it works. And so I learned a lot, but I was, Dave's like, you should stay here. In fact, 
I want you to teach this class, this music class. It's only part time, but it's a gateway into Ann Arbor and you should stay here. This is what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, that's great. I'm going to do that first semester. And I got a full ride assistantship to Florida State to study composition with Ellen Zwillick, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning composer. And, uh, and, sure, and yeah. yeah, I got to study with Ladislav Kubik, all these incredible composers. I met Chris, Christoph Penderecki. And, you know, so like I got this, so I got that experience and I'm like, well, it's a full ride. I can't throw that down. So I went to Florida State and did two years and got kind of disillusioned. I was in the, the track to become a composition professor. I I had won a couple of composition awards, which can, can be deadly at times because you're like false sense of security. And sure. um, I kind of got disillusioned by everything. And I saw that, like, I didn't love the theory world as much as I thought I did. And I was going to have to get in order to get a job as a college professor. I might have to, like, do a lot of theory work. And I didn't really want to do that. And so I was kind of downtrodden. And I got my degree. And I finished. And I was, you know, I was successful. And I'm really glad I did it. But I, I was kind of lost. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. So I went to work for the Florida Music Educators Association, which is kind of like the MSBOA of Florida. And I was working on a project with them in an assessment. And I was just like a desk job. And very quickly, I realized that even though it was an arts thing, a desk job was not for me. So um, luckily, the grant ran out for my job. And they're like, you can answer phones until we find you another grant. Or I'm like, nope, I'm going to go. Nope, no. I'm going to New York City. So I'm like, I'm going, I'm on a, I'm just, I, I went to this job fair in Florida. I was like, I think you moved to New York city. You need to have a job. So I went and I found a music ed job, right. That, um, I taught in the Bronx. Right. So they, they had, uh, New York back when they were hiring people had these, they used cause they, they have such high turnover rate that they had these little, um, uh, like workshops that you got to meet and they'd uh, interview you. Right. So I did one of those and I got hired, went out to New York. Um, my parents drove me out there. I found a, uh, an apartment in Harlem for, by, I luckily got to live by myself in this little closet and I live, I worked in New York and I saw the most amazing things, music things that I, it, unbelievable. And I wrote some music and things like that. But I kind of fell in love with working with people. And I, I realized that I need to be in front of an ensemble. And I need to be in front of kids. Um, and the best way for me to do that is not be in New York City because there are, no, there are none of those jobs. They, don't, they really don't exist. So I was like, I can either move upstate New York or I can move home where all my connections are. So I moved home. Well, that happened in 2008 during the recession. So that was crazy. And it took me a while, but I eventually got a job at the International Academy in Bloomfield Hills, um, which is the big IB school out, out in, uh, uh, out in Oakland County and did that for a few years. And then I was offered a job at my alma mater, which was my dream job. So I was the director of bands at Pinckney for two years. And then basically my job like dissolved, like with cuts and they were having issues with student population and keeping students and money and problems that way, like many schools are and did at that time. And so I got a job at um, Forest Hills out in Grand Rapids, which is a big legacy, great program, fantastic. And I was there for uh three years and i got a call from dave leach and steve roberts one day and said hey steve roberts said hey 
uh, I'm going to retire and I think you should uh, apply for the director of bands at Huron. I think you'd be a really good fit. And I was like, really? Okay. And <laughs> then I had to go through this gauntlet process and you know, I put my application in and did the auditions and, um, I mean, I had to prepare some really challenging literature and stand up in front of these really intimidating kids that had just, you know, half of them had played with the orchestra in Midwest, like the year before they were primed and ready to go. It's like, yeah. How many auditions do you get where you have to go conduct, um, Granger's children's March. And it sounds like a collegiate ensemble. Like it's like, and you've got eight minutes to work with these kids. Like, what are you going to do? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it was really challenging, but, uh, uh, I, you know, they liked what I saw, which was exciting. And, uh, I really enjoyed working with them and, uh, lo and behold, I got the job and it's been, you know, it's just been a roller coaster ever since of just, you know, seeing where the band can grow and getting these phenomenal musicians that you get to work with every day. Um, you know, I, I had a kid my first year he's he's a flute he got into every studio he's a flute player and he got into every studio that he auditioned for and he, the 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 schools that he auditioned for yeah he auditioned at michigan and ut austin but also juilliard and curtis and he got in everywhere right wow it's just bonkers and this kid was in my band and you put anything in front of him and he played and you're just like whoa <laughs> and you know just the nicest kid um i had another in the same class another piano player same same thing just like this kid is at eastman and he's a composer and just a beautiful human being and um a great musician and it's just an honor to be a part of this fantastic tradition that we have and the hunger to play high level music and to kind of push the envelope it's really exciting that's awesome well, I'm super impressed that you've been able to like recreate yourself so many times in so many different ways. Yeah. What? Uh, and and you know, we have a a variety of people that listen to this podcast, but yeah. a lot of young people do. And we're just wondering, like, do you have any like good, quick, easy interview tips? I mean, oh. like that's you won like you won like four really good jobs that that many people would have stayed at for their entire career. You yeah. Know? Um. Well, I did a, a not last year, but the year before that, I did a um, an MMC presentation on uh, interviewing. Yeah, I did the math, and if anybody wants that, I have this really thorough um, PowerPoint that I can send out. Everyone just email me, and I'll <laughs> okay. I'll get it to them. But um, okay. I yeah, I think I when the last time I looked at it, I went into I think. I'm around 50 interviews is what I've done in wow. my career and which is, a, which is insane. Um, and I, I mean, I'm also counting like grad school, grad school interviews sure. and things like that, but it's all yeah. kind of the same family of experience. And, you know, I think you really need to know the program that you're auditioning for and understand that these schools are looking for the perfect fit. And a lot of times you're looking for, a job when you're young, right? You're like, I get it. You know, when I moved back, there were no jobs because I moved back to Michigan late. And so I just got really lucky that my skill set fit this job really late in the game. And it's really hard to get that first job. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, I have student teachers that, especially right now, I have a student teacher, 
it can be challenging to, and luckily they got a job, but you know, it's challenging watching them to go through the process. And that, um, so knowing that it's all about the fit on, uh, from the administrator side. And so that kind of puts you at ease because you need to be at ease. Um, I feel like, you know, you need to have a resume that really shows everything you can do in a very short amount of time. So if you know, you don't find a job, you need to put all the, you need to keep working on things that, uh, that build your musical resume. Right. And you need to keep adding and you need to go to all the professional development. You can MMC Midwest, all those things. You need to make connections. Um, you need to interact with composers. And every time you do one of these things, you need to put it in your resume. Right. Especially as a young teacher, it's really big. Um, and, uh, the next thing is once you get to the, once you get to the interview process, which is, I mean, if you can get to the interview process, that that's probably the hardest part of the interview is getting, is getting into the, what we call the short stack because, uh, everybody's looking for something different. Right. And once you get there, then it's really, you know, you've got to see what the, what the school needs and wants, you know, and you got to make sure that their priorities line up with your priorities, because if you're going into a, you know, if you're going into Huron and you want to turn it into a competitive marching program, you're not going to last 10 seconds in an interview, (laughs) nor in the job. And it's probably not going to be a good job for you. So, um, you know, you really need to, to think along those lines and think about, I, I always think, and this is my philosophy, I'm a very student-centered teacher, right? So an interview, that's, I'm talking about being student-centered and I'm being earnest, right? I'm not giving them a line, but I feel like in this day and age, that's something that, that people want, that, that they're looking for. So as you reflect on your teaching, how can you talk about being student-centered, right? Giving them what they need, building them up. And, and really, I mean, I talk a lot about how, we teach music to make better humans because if I had, you know, how many, even at Huron, the percentage of music majors is very small. And if all I'm doing is tailoring everything to the music majors, it's like 90% of the kids I'm ignoring. Right. So it's not, you know, those are, those are things not only to think about in your teaching, but I think they really show up positively in an interview. And then if you're super lucky and you get to, the interview or you get to a teaching demo which is really where the metal meets the road right um so when you do that this is my biggest advice to everybody is there are two things one the band has to sound better when you leave than when you got there like it has to be distinctly better so whatever you do and you're gonna have a very short amount of time i've never been in an interview where you are in front of an ensemble for longer than um, for longer than maybe 18 minutes at tops. Right. So you've got to do a lot of work in a very short amount of time. Um, So, you know, pick a small section and, and make it sound better. And then the second thing is, and this is critical and most people don't do this. You have to make sure that you leave the ensemble with something to work on or, or something to latch onto that is worthwhile to them. Right. So I always say, 
you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to work with you. I might, I'm, you may never see me again. So when you leave, when I leave here, I want you to think about these things. We're going to talk about how articulation is like Boeing and I'm going to walk you through that or whatever it is and, and, and get them something to grasp on that's pedagogical that, that you work on that can carry through. So that when somebody says like, what did you work on? I worked on X because administrators love that. And so do kids, right? They, they do. And not that all of our rehearsals in the, in the regular season are always like that. They should be, but sometimes, you know, we're just trying to work a section and we don't always get to that point at high school level, but I think that's really important. And, and I really think that's the reason I've won the jobs that I've won and you need to be positive. It's a people business, right? You can't be, you can't get into college band director brain. And I, I say that no disrespect to my college band director um, colleagues, but the, yeah, most of the, ironically, everyone knows what I mean when I say that, but most of the college band directors are not like that. Um, but I think everyone understands you can't get too pedantic and, you know, you gotta, you, you've gotta show energy and um, you gotta be able to connect with kids and, and have good and have a positive, aura about you um so that you can you can you we're winning people over i mean that's what we're doing as conductors and musicians all the time right so those are all the things if you come up there and it's kind of awkward and you can't really connect and communicate if there are people that can they're gonna pick those people so it's really and the only way to practice only way to work on that is just to practice it right so right so that's kind of my tips um to do that uh yeah that that's all those those are all really good tips i think that's all really great advice i think that's the thing that that many young teachers don't recognize when you first get out of college because because like you said it's a lot of it is kind of on the job training you know you go to college and you learn how to study scores and you get good at your instrument and you do your training all this stuff and then you get your first job and you're like nobody cares about any of that stuff at all they just want to know like what kind of person you are they want to know how you make them feel. I mean, that's just, that's all that matters is, is the connection that you have with people. And, uh, you know, it's tough to learn that in college, certainly. And if you don't have the skills that you spent to college, like those skills are all set up and should be ingrained in you so that when it's your time to um, actually use them, they just come out naturally. So that right. it, it's a shame that, um, that we don't talk about that in, uh, co- in college, you know, I, there are a few colleges I think that do a really good job. And I've been lucky enough to go to conducting symposiums and see that like, we're really lucky, you know, as of right now, the conducting symposiums that I've been to in the state, I've been done a lot of work at Michigan and Michigan state, and they seem to do pretty good with their, their undergraduate music ed majors and trying to at least in talking about that and working through that process with them, which I find really, really fantastic. Um, but you know, it's, we at CMU and and I had Jack Williamson as a band director and he's phenomenal, but you know, sometimes I reflect back and like, does that really translate to high school? Cause he was big into like, watch what I do and yeah. be in my ensemble. And sometimes like just watching and not talking about it and really processing it. Um, sometimes I felt like it was at a detriment because it's a people business. Right. And you got to connect with the audience in front of you always. And sometimes it's not collegiate. It's, it's never collegiate. Even 
and I want to say this, even at Ann Arbor Huron, high school kids are high school kids. And Ann Arbor and Paw Paw and wherever in the state, of, they're high school kids. And even though they play really well and study privately and are very passionate about playing high level music, they are also high school kids and they think and react to the world like high school kids. And so you have to meet them. It's really important. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, obviously, the you know the the title of the podcast is the Balanced Band Director. I'm wondering if you have any uh, what do you what in your life uh, do you do to achieve that kind of balance? Not only within your program, but also with work life balance. And I know you have a family. And, yeah, you, know, you were for a long time. You were commuting from Okemos to Ann Arbor, and it's <laughs> like I mean that just must have been a, just crazy. So I don't know if you have any you know any ideas about how you, or, or tips that you want to share about that this is probably my biggest weakness um i'm really i'm really working on this um and and the big the big thing and people always ask me like why are you writing music and i I really haven't been writing a lot of music um because when you compose it you have to get into a routine it's like practicing if you don't do it in a while it takes a while to get back into it and i keep you know some of my friends like um andy perkins keeps bugging me and he's right i gotta start writing again um but you know the commute has really put a damper on like i've i've been typically for the past 10 years driving three hours a day um right. as a head band director which is insane and it finally took its toll and my family and uh was gracious enough to uh agree with me to when we moved to ann arbor so now i'm 20 minutes away and ironically, I moved to Ann Arbor literally the week we go in lockdown where it doesn't really matter if you have a commute anymore at all anyway. So <laughs> that's just kind of beautiful irony there. But um, yeah, you know, I I try to exercise. Um, I'm, you know, I, I come in and out of running and that really helps me. Um, I need to do it and get it more in my uh, in my routine. Um, I think routines really help. It's probably my biggest weakness, um, which, you know, a lot of band directors, I think, are very routine oriented. It's not my natural state. And yeah. and just having a routine where you have time for your family and you have time for yourself is really, really, really important. Uh, this job can really take it out of you, especially I mean, I feel like I'm an emotional roller coaster, like in any given day I could it's so manic you feel so great about something and then so horrible about something and (laughs) even that's the thing you know you get to a gig and everyone's like well when you get to a job like Ann Arbor uh everything is always hunky-dory I'm like I have I feel the same about my problems that I've always felt It, it never changed and you know I feel like the only thing the routine and you know, making sure that you read and not just read like self-help things, but also fiction and watch movies and, you know, play. I like to play games with my son. Um, we're always doing some kind of like we were down playing Nerf guns earlier and he's six. So, you know, you got to definitely make time for the homework. So it's just it's just getting a schedule and a routine that feels natural and good and that you're healthy. Um, man, health is more important now than I think it ever has been. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, don't d- live every day in the moment, which is, I think, really hard right now when we're all kind of cloistered. But it's true. Getting out, enjoying I, things. Are you uh, are you 40 yet? Yeah, I just turned 40 a couple of months ago. So congrats. Well, thanks, let me man. tell you, it, 
it is it's a it's a downhill from here let me tell you <laughs> i mean i you when you're in your 20s and 30s you can yeah. get away with not working out you can eat like crap you can drink yeah. a lot and like and then you hit 40 and it just catches right up with you yep. so um, you know, I've been fortunate about the, like the last year, year and a half of this has become a huge priority in my life. And, and especially since the lockdown, I mean, I, it's been, um, you know, the bright side, of, if there is one of the lockdown is that, you know, I have been able to develop that routine a little bit better. Like you said, That's like good. every morning, I, I mean, every morning I wake up and I walk my dog for an hour and, I would not do that if I didn't have podcasts to listen to. And honestly, yeah. kind of one of the reasons I started the podcast is because, I mean, I'm like, I listen to like at least an hour, if not two or three hours of other podcasts. And oh, that's awesome. Mo- most of them are not band director podcasts. That's you good. Know? Um, so, I, you know, I, I, that's, that's been something that's been great for me, but I think it's, you know, that, like you said, the routine is exactly right. And now it becomes a habit, you know? Yeah. And, and then I did something even kind of even sillier. I started like a, an Instagram page for my dog. <laughs> which I know is like so cliche, right? But I take a picture of my dog every single day uh, on our walk. And I've done it for 130 straight days. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so I have this kind of, it's kind of like an accountability partner for myself where it's like, if I don't go on my walk today, I'm not going to get a picture. And then I'm going to break my Instagram posting streak. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's kind of silly, but it, you know, like you said, it really helped ingrain that habit or that routine of going out and and walking every morning, you know, even when the weather's bad. So, um, yeah, well, that's cool. Do you, do you have, do you consider yourself an organized person? You know, um, so yes and no. Um, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a weird, I'm a weird person in this, in this regard. Cause there's some things in my life that I'm hyper organized and some things I'm just a hot mess on. Um, I tend to, take a long time to build the system. And when the system finally gets built, it's very organized, but the process to it is, is uh, pretty messy. For instance, my closet is color coded. I'm not <laughs> making that up. And once the system was in place, now this was at my old house. So like now my closet is that cause we're trying to figure out how to lay everything out, but that's true. Right. So it took me forever to figure out how to do that. But once I did it, so like, my my desk in my band room or we our offices are not attached to the band room so we we have like a bullpen that all the music teachers in the building um there's like six of us that we share and that's where our music library is and everything and it's taken a while to kind of d steve roberts it and turn it into rob ash and that pathway has been pretty messy like i'm still trying to find out the most efficient way to connect and communicate with my band community over the Huron and that's like the middle school folk. And, you know, just when I think I have it, it implodes. And these are just, you know, it's, it's okay to fail a little bit and just, you know, be apologetic and try to correct it as soon as possible. And so, and, you know, people tend to give you a little bit more slack, but once I get the process all set out and the machine is running, I consider myself an organized person, but the path to it is not necessarily pretty. And I can, I can, I can totally relate to that. I know exactly <laughs> And I think it's, it's a bit of the perfectionist in us, yes. you know, where you tend, you know, that the old adage is don't make, what is it? Don't make, uh, you know, good, the enemy of great. Yes. Uh, but you know, we all tend to do that from time to time. So I, I can really, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to tell everybody like, don't be afraid to make honest mistakes. Just don't make huge ones. Um, yeah. and we all know what that is. <laughs> don't make the 
you know, yeah. y'all know, I, I don't need to say another word about that, but, um, don't, you know, but you just be upfront about them. Don't hide them. And cause we all make them. And I've made some, some, you know, the, the, the rough part in our job is that when you make a mistake, sometimes it tends to hurt a student. And so to, you know, and that's always heartbreaking because it's the last thing I want to do, but our jobs are really complex. There's a lot of wheels spinning. Everyone's like, well, you have an assistant. Well, I do, but I also have, you know, I can have anywhere between 250 and 300 kids and they all have right. different needs. And, um, I mean, solo, we have a huge tradition of solo ensemble. And I mean, I don't mean to like humble brag, but a lot of times we have the most district, uh, events in the state. It's like us and pioneer and like you miss a kid, it becomes, you know, a really yeah. big problem and trying to find all those little errors and, it, our job is crazy. Right. And we have, we're always spinning many plates and it's really easy to drop the ball even when you're really good at spinning, spinning balls. Right. So um, I think that you just got to be open and ask for help. I mean, I'm, I'm in year 12 and I'm still asking for help. I'm still figuring things out. Um, Now I've been at a lot of jobs too. So, and you get to a new job, the culture is totally different. So you've got to readapt some things that work in one place do not work in another place. And so you just kind of have to, you have to tinker with the machine until you get it running the way that it needs to run for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned about stolen ensemble. I know that's a huge stress for a lot of people. I think, you know, with, with the technology that we have in the 21st century, we need to move to like where students just sign themselves up for that. I don't, I still don't understand why, I understand back in the day when you had to do it by hand. Yeah. I don't know if you still did that, but like still seems like with, with security that we have and, and internet, you know, capabilities that we have, it seems like kids could sign themselves up yeah, pay I, for it online and, and we would have to deal with money or anything. I mean, yeah, the, you know, I, that's the, always the thing too. Cause like I'm on a typical year, I'm dealing with the 250 events at district soul and ensemble. Yeah. That's and insane. like, I mean, with, it's, that could it's, be, that's a full-time job. Just, just collecting it, all that stuff. Right it there. takes, well, I have, I have a treasurer that helps collect, but it's usually like two directors and a kid and we're all there watching it going through all of it. And then, yeah, it takes a week to like put everything in and then double check the money to make sure the money's right and right. get it all. And then we have, we have a, we'll have a parent help too. And then there's still an error and you got to fix the error and pay the fee and all this stuff. And, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to manage. Cause, and then you got to make sure the money is cause di- putting money in districts these days and getting a check out on time is like for most yeah. people is insane. So, you know, getting your boost, you got to get the parent in to get the booster. And the, it it's, it's quite a process. It's, there's a lot of moving parts to it. It seems really easy, but I agree with you if you could eliminate the parts, cause there's more to, I talk to this a lot about my colleagues there. And I think I've talked to you about this. There's more to our jobs now than in the Bill Ravelli days when, when Solon Ensemble was created in our state. And we're, there's still a lot of remnants of that. We're like, I'm the, you know, I, I'm the alpha male that comes in and runs a band program. My wife takes care of the kids and I just do band and I don't have to worry really about what else is going on in the building. Cause I've built this program and we're not in that built. We're not in that boat anymore. I got, you know, four different bosses that want five different things I have to be a part of my son's um, life. My wife works full time for Michigan State University. She's a um, she works for the controller's office, so she's incredibly busy and wildly successful. 
and um, I want to make sure I'm supporting her. So yeah, it, it becomes a challenge, you know, the, the mistakes are easy to make. And, you know, when you're younger in your life and career, take advantage of the time that you have, if you don't have family and responsibilities and things like that, to really get your process down, because it'll serve you later. But, you know, there's a lot of elements to our job connected with our festivals and things like that, that are not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily easy to cope with sometimes when we have very busy lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Rob, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome to catch up with you. I just have one or two more things for you before we, uh, before we close it out. Um, sure. And this is, this is a question that most people hate, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, because I think it's fun to try to get to know people this way. But yeah, do you have, what's your like desert Island piece recording? If you're stuck on a desert Island, what's a, what's a piece or two or a CD or a recording that you would take with you? Oh man. Desert Island recording. Uh, two pieces. Okay. And you're going to know one of them. So okay. the, the concerto for wind ensemble, Stephen Bryant, Michigan state university. Okay. Holy cow. That is maybe one of the best pieces. I mean, if you ever go, I I was there at the performance that MSU did of that. They, and Kevin Settel spent so much time on that piece that they, they were working on that piece for multiple years. Um, and it, it, maybe I'm mistaken, but that was my understanding that they played it like they did it once. And then the next year they did it again so that they yeah. could record it. And it was part of the recording right. process. Right. And right. um and Dr. Sedatal, if you're out there, I'm sorry if I if I if I said that wrong. But I was there at one of the uh, performances, and I, you know, I was just the the music spins around you this whole concert. It's like in surround, and I was in tears not because I was like moved. I was just it was not because you know I was happy or sad. I should say it was because it was just so powerful. I was overwhelmed, right? And yeah. I've never been like that before in my life. I couldn't believe it. It was mind blowing. And then so that recording brings that concert to life for me all the time, even though I'm not there and it's surrounding me. It's just beautiful and one of the best recordings I've heard. And then I think the other piece that, you know, the other recording that I really love is uh, the Dallas Wind Symphony playing Maslanka's Fourth Symphony. Man, those are big pieces. Yeah, I like big pieces, man. You know, I like that. <laughs> I like that stuff. And, and, you know, I'm maybe I'm on a Maslanka kick lately, but uh, he just says so much with his language and uh, you know, there it's very modern. There's a lot of modern technique in it, but it speaks to all of us. And uh, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's transformative. I love when music's transformative. Um, and I, I love when we're speaking with a modern voice and are engaging people. It's just, it's just amazing. So I would, I would think those two and maybe, you know, if we're looking at orchestral stuff, you know, I'm, I can't, I can't put down Bernstein, you know, like Chester Psalms, man. Like I was having a bad day the other day and I put that on with that, that second movement with the boys choir in it. That like cleared my palate. Like I was like, okay, life is life is good, or perhaps you know, like a John Adams, um, in a Transfiguration of Souls that he did for nine eleven. Like that's just mind blowing when you can connect with the person or or an event, or you can connect with a you know the world 
with your music like that, I think is, is pretty special. And, um, I, yeah. I, I keep coming back to that music over and over again. Yeah. That's, you know, you mentioned Dave Maslanka. I was super fortunate when I was a senior in high school, I went to the, um, uh, I was part of the Western Michigan spring conference, like all-star band. Yeah. Do that thing yep. in April. And, and he was the composer. This was like 1995. Yeah. And he was, you know, I wouldn't say new, but he was certainly, you know, um, not as well known as he is now. And, uh, and um, it was, he conducted the piece and it was, it was, like you said, it was, it was mine. I can, I still yeah. remember it like, vividly. Yeah. Uh, the way he ran rehearsal, the way he speaks about his music. Uh, I should say spoke about his music in the past tense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then being at MSU uh, when his son was there, yeah. he would, he, he would come a lot, you know, uh -huh. and, and he would just like come and hang out for a week, you know, and then they'd play, play, you know, age band would play one of his pieces or whatever. And it was like, you know, just, so he was, he was, uh, you know, I had quite a few interactions with him. And, and like you said, I mean, just an unbelievable musical artistic soul like you just don't come across people like that very often no he's really genuine i was really lucky in my undergrad when i decided to do this composition thing that i went to the same school um i was attending central michigan university with david gillingham and i got to study with david and i was really lucky to ha he had so many connections and i got so many opportunities and one of those opportunities was he's like you should go have a lesson with david Maslanka. and i was like what well he's at msu in residency, why don't I make a phone call and see if I can have a lesson? So here I am, like, you know, I don't know anybody at Michigan State. I don't know anything. It's like 2001, and I'm sitting at Wharton. I don't even remember what the piece that the um, Wind Symphony was playing, but I remember sitting through the rehearsal, and because I was all I was thinking about was this lesson. I was going to have a lesson, and I just went and, oh, hi, you know. Mr. Maslanka, really nice to meet you. I'm Rob Ash. Oh, you're David's student. Okay, yeah, let's go back and have a lesson. And this guy, you know, I'm I'm spewing out like nuggets of just you know trite music, and <laughs> it wasn't good. And like I had a piece, and it was published, and I thought I was big stuff, and it was nothing. Like I'm not even gonna tell yeah. you where it's published. You shouldn't see it. But um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it he you know he he talked me through that stuff, and 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 then he started opening up to his like spiritual universe. And of course the 20, you know, one year old me was like, what is this guy? Yeah. And I was just like, I didn't know what to think about him. He started to talk about the collective conscious and that's where musical ideas come from. And, you know, I'm being polite, but I, it took me a long time to realize like his spirituality and how it connects with figuring out who he was. I mean, just a beautiful soul here. He is willing to listen to this, like, like snide 21 year old and give him wisdom and then dude at the end he and the my one of my biggest regrets in life is he's like well you know you should come out and visit me at my ranch in montana we could have lessons and i should have been like let me get in the car i'll follow you and i was like yeah. I, yeah. what i don't i don't know and i didn't know any better and one of my friends uh kim archer who's a really successful composer um she did that and it was life-changing for her and you know it was kind of like you know, studying with a Nadia Boulanger kind of thing. He's, he's an, he's a total, I mean, he's a guy that like doesn't watch television and reads architectural digest. And like, he's always, he's on another plane of existence than all of us. <laughs> and you can hear it in his music. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. And we're, we all miss him that he's not here. He's taken yeah, way too soon. Sure. Way too soon. Yeah. 
Well, um, you mentioned a lot of people today, but I wanted to just give you an opportunity if you wanted to say thanks to anybody else in your life and have a, have a moment of gratitude for anybody yeah. else that they're heroes. Yeah, man. My heroes are my teachers. I mean, that's what we that's what our business is. I used to have other heroes. Like I used to have composer heroes and that was my thing. And then I met my composer hero. So when I was in, when I was in grad school, it was Michael Torkey. I don't know if you know who Michael Torkey is. Um, and I still think the world of him and his music, but I met him and it kind of put all these, like I got to meet John Corleano and it kind of put a human spin on it. And I'm like, these guys are, they're, they're people just like us. They're making beautiful music, but, um, you know, it kind of it, it kind of put put them in the same shoes as everybody else, and so I started realizing that for me, my heroes, the people that really are always there for me, are my teachers. And like the first two are my parents, so that's Doug and Joanne Ash. They're uh, the, my I'm I come from a teaching family, and they've been really great role models um, for teachers, and and that's the family business. And even though I don't teach the same subject as they do uh it's uh they've been incredibly supportive um i definitely have to have a shout out to john nickel who i've known most of my life and is one of my all-time favorite human beings and uh he really put me on the path to do what i'm doing and has constantly supported me my whole life same with david gillingham he's been um just just a beacon and always there in my corner um, always, you know, if it's composing or if it's, you know, teaching and conducting, he's always been phenomenal. Um, you know, my, my now colleague and who I student taught with Dave Leach, he's just been, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, kind of pointing, pointing the way. And, uh, when I was young in the career and just supporting me and getting me excited about teaching and seeing how that can change, how, you know, we can all change, uh, somebody's life by doing what we do um so you know and and then i've had a lot of fantastic teachers going into um these conducting symposiums michael haycock and john pasquale and um those guys have been just just amazing fantastic uh people they've come in and worked with my bands now that i'm in ann arbor um, and just have always helped, helped me out whenever I needed it and definitely learned a lot from them. Um, you know, uh, Aris Golden and David Thornton and Kevin Setatal, you know, I've gone to their symposium and they're always welcoming with open arms. I've learned so much. And Kevin No, who no longer teaches at Michigan State, but he revolutionized how I think about score study. Um, it, when his book comes out, everyone should buy it. Cause it's like mind boggling how this guy thinks he's like, he thinks on another level. Um, you know, so that's, that's absolutely, I mean, it, and if you, everybody, if you ever get to meet and interact with H Robert Reynolds, you have to, cause he is like the best of all of us in terms of just a great human being. Um, I am beyond fortunate to teach in the building that I teach in. Cause not only, they're my predecessors, John Whitwell and um, Ed Downing, who taught at Huron. But H. Robert Reynolds' kids went to Huron High School, so he's like, "I'll come and I'll come." He lives down the street, and like, "I'll come and hang out." Like, yeah, and you know, he doesn't sound like that. I'm just, you know, but <laughs> but but uh, but he's just so gracious, um, and it's just so amazing. And I learned so much, and he's so generous, and he comes in. And just like he shows us all how it's done, and, and you, we're all just like our jaw on the floor when he does that. And you know, so 
those folks, I definitely have to thank my colleagues, you know, that I watch them teach like Tim Crone. He's unbelievable. Allison Roberts. I've learned so much from, from these teachers and Kent Waddleworth, who's our choir director. I, I learn from these people every day. I'm just so grateful. And, and of course, you know, you always, my, my absolute hero is always my wife. Cause she, I, everybody that has a band director, that's a band director that has a spouse. We need to get on our hands and knees and like bow to them on a daily basis. Yeah. Cause they make our universe happen um so i mean i know it's a long list but there i'm sure there's like eight hundred thousand people that i'm leaving out and i apologize to everybody but no man no it's good you know i just you know i always like try to i think it's you know they say that gratitude like rewires your brain just to be a happier better person you know so i always try to just make sure i think about that like on a daily basis i'm the same way man i i i uh agree wholeheartedly with with uh what you said about that so well hey man i you know we are way over time i so appreciate you know the amount of time that you have that you've given me today oh How, sure people want to connect people want to connect with you what uh are you on social media or if you yeah email? facebook's good um or you can get email school emails good like my school email address is ash r so a-s-h-r at aaps.k12.mi.us i know it's an old school address but yeah email me anytime <laughs> Um, and I'd love to help anybody that needs help, man. I've had so much help in my career, get to where, help me get to where I am that like, it's, that's what we do. We share the wealth. So, yeah, well then, and you shared the wealth with me today. So thank you. And I, like I said, I appreciate your time. I really appreciate you. And, uh, it's been great to catch up, uh, amidst our, uh, our current situation Absolutely. here. And I wish you the best, wish you the best of luck is getting back into school. And let's, yeah. let's catch up in a few weeks and see how we're doing. Absolutely. Likewise to you and good luck to you and everyone's listening. Good luck on the, on the school year. I'm we're all, we're all in this together. So yeah. All right. Thanks buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. See ya. Peace. Bye. This has been the Balanced Band Director Podcast. Again, my name is Dave Larzalier. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show today. If you'd like to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, it's Balanced Band Director, or feel free to send me an email at balancedbanddirector at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.